Welcome to Pop Psych 101, where we, licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad and licensed psychologist Dr. Haley Roberts, break down and analyze how mental health is represented in movies, shows, books, and across the pop culture and social media landscape. We will determine what lines up with real life and what is just pop culture fantasy. This is Pop Psych 101. Welcome back to Pop Psych 101. I am licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad, here with my now permanent co-host, Dr. Haley Roberts. Hello. Hello, Haley. Uh, thank you so much for joining me once again here to, to talk about a uh, fascinating movie. We will get into it. We're going to be talking about Palm Springs today. Um, but before we do that, I have some personal news that I feel compelled to, to talk about. Yes, please tell us. Okay. So my daughter is five, and ever since she was old enough to watch TV, all kids' shows involve dogs or talking dogs or um, talking animals in general. So she has sort of been interested in a puppy for about four years. Um, And we've sort of humored the discussion for a long time uh, until COVID. She wore you down. Well, not only that, but but uh, the world wore me down. I think a little bit, um, <laughs> right? So millions of people have have broken down over the course of the past year and adopted dogs and other animals at record paces, which is oh, great for the funny. animal community, yes. right? Um, yeah. yeah, I was reading something like twenty percent um, more adoptions year over year, which even sounds low based on how long it actually took us to adopt a dog. But yes, um, we had been sending out applications for um, for adoption rescues um, probably yeah. for the past couple of months on and off. Wow. And finally, our local shelter actually said, you know, we got a bunch of puppies in. Why don't you come in and meet them or meet one? So yeah. we did that yesterday. And Oh, yesterday. So very new. Yes, this is this is immediate. This is an emergency podcast announcement um, <laughs> because I'm, because frankly, it's a lot. And uh, yes, yeah, so we met uh, Patty. Is her name? Yay. Um, was that the name she, that was given to her, or did you guys choose that name for her? So that is a, her given name. Um, okay. My daughter had it in her head that she wanted to name whatever dog she got Bubbles, um, <laughs> which is also a great name. Um, but as soon as we were interacting with Patty, um, Patty yeah. just kind of stuck. So, um, so we met Patty yesterday afternoon. She's a two and a half month old Australian Shepherd Catahoula Leopard mix, which is a mouthful. Um, but she's adorable, and it's going so great so far. Other than the fact that you know she probably hasn't been in an isolated situation her whole life, so crate training is taking some time. Oh man. Well, you know, it's still essentially day one. So you'll get yes. there. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I just keep reminding myself that um it's not gonna stay this way forever. Um yeah, which I think um it does kind of relate to the what we're gonna talk about yes. today and, and why yes. why people have adapted, I should say adopted uh dogs <laughs> the rate they have, because it's like, well, we're gonna be home for a while. Uh we're not gonna be traveling as much as we used to. 
if we ever thought mm-hmm. about getting a dog, why wouldn't we do it now? Um, yeah. Which I just think is so funny um, mm-hmm. because it seems like such a small, like casual thing. And then you kind of realize that you're actually adding an addition to your family and it's by no means a small thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's a yeah. huge commitment. You guys so are, are you a dog or cat person? I hate that question because oh, my answer okay. is yes. <laughs> yes to both. Oh, so you, are yes. you an animal person? <laughs> yeah. So um, I didn't mean I, either or, like you could only choose one team. But that's how people talk about it and it drives me nuts. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I meant it as, yeah. as it could be either or because we actually also have two cats. So yeah, um, so we I are a both family as well. Okay. Yeah, I have I have two cats, and um, one day when I feel that I am in a living situation that is conducive to an ideal life for a dog, I will certainly get one. So, yeah, I have two cats. Their names are Luna Bruce and Lyra Wayne. Lovely. Uh, my two cats are Ozzy and Boo. Um, they Aww. don't have middle names, which now feels kind of like I've I've taken something from them. Um, <laughs> well, but they I are loud. That, but... So if you ever if you ever listen really closely, you can probably hear Ozzy, especially from time to time on the show. That's so funny. I think earlier I heard a cat, and I was like, "Is that one of mine?" And then I realized mine were both in the room, and I was like, "Oh, yeah. no, definitely <laughs> not mine." <laughs> so funny. Yeah. So animals are great, and uh, they, they it's more than just helping pass the time. You sort of uh, have this bond with a yeah. a living, breathing entity. Um, yeah. and, and I will, I promise how... to provide updates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Tell us how it goes. Um, but talking about how having, um, a living breathing entity like in it with you, I think definitely leads us into our movie for this week. I think it does too. So, uh, before we get into our movie, Palm Springs, a quick break. Hey everyone, Ryan here. No ad this week, but a quick request. We would love to know where you follow us. So if you wouldn't mind taking 10 seconds while you're listening to today's episode, reach out to us on your social media of choice. Say hi, say what's up, request an episode topic. We would love to hear from you. And now back to the episode. Palm Springs is a 2020 American science fiction romantic comedy film. Have you ever heard that uh, combination? Uh, directed by Max Barbacow with a screenplay by Andy Ciara from a story by Ciara and Barbacow. It stars Andy Samberg, Christine Milioti, Peter Gallagher, and J.K. Simmons and follows two strangers who meet at a Palm Springs wedding only to get stuck in a time loop. And what a uh, hilarious establishment for a movie plot, right? <laughs> Obviously, it's it's right. now a um, a sort of trope that's been used yeah. in you know more than one circumstance. But yeah, I like how he used the trope to try to explain to her that it was happening. Where, yeah. like, in the yeah. movie, well, he's like, you know, it's one of those time loop things. <laughs> you might, you might have heard about it, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, as if, as if she was supposed to know exactly what was happening. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. So, you know, this is a plot device now. At this point, you know, movies and shows are all, all these different kinds of things are made with this time loop sort of setup, and mm-hmm. the romantic comedy aspect is is 
a little unique, although I guess Groundhog Day is also sort of a romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, but for this one, you know, I, I wanted to do this movie because I think the concept of a time loop is very relevant for what we're all experiencing right now. Um, yes. That being in the time of COVID-19. So I thought, you know, to get into this movie, instead of just going through the plot, which, I mean, I just summarized it. They're in a they're in a time loop and eventually <laughs> they get out. And we'll talk about how they get out and sort of the relevance to that, to those uh, decisions. But um, Haley, I wonder if we could kind of go through some of our favorite quotes from this movie and kind of jump yeah. off for discussion from there. Absolutely. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Um, can I go first? Yes, please do. Cool. Okay. So though I think probably this quote stuck out to me more than any of the other ones, but who knows? There's a lot that, um, nope, there's a lot that stuck out, but this one really stuck out to me, um, was there's one point where, um, Niles, Andy Sandberg's character is sitting with, um, a Twix bar and he's explaining, um, to Sarah, um, that the who, what, and why of the past doesn't matter. And then he kind of talks about how from this point forward, that's the stuff that truly matters. Um, And then um, she responds, well, ignoring all of that stuff um, is what makes you destined to repeat it. So what are your thoughts about that? I have lots of thoughts, but what are your thoughts about those that pair them separately? Yeah, I mean, so and and I love how differently these characters react and and similarly how how they react to being stuck, right? Yeah. Um and I think that's the thing that you know fascinated me the most about this was mm-hmm. seeing these two people react to this situation. So I think hearing this quote it's like for me and I and and just being straightforward, I do say statements like that in therapy where which one um, the first one or the second one yeah the first one the first one where it's like you know the why of like why did this happen why are we here why is this happening to me is not at least for me and and there's we can debate this i guess but it's not as important as i agree okay great (laughs) it's not as important as the so what right so what Mm -hmm. we are here and that's not so what to be callous but it's like so this is happening. And now what? What are we going to do? Yeah, now what? Yes, exactly. Absolutely. Um, so that's where I come yeah. from. And I think where we come in, where we meet Niles, he's kind of already embraced that. And mm-hmm. the the reason I think that that Sarah is on a, a different wavelength is because she's not, or maybe doesn't yeah. want to embrace that. Um, yeah. That she, for her, it's a very, has very different meaning. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think um, um, this idea of it doesn't, it completely doesn't matter. I think she is correct in this. If we don't think about what has happened in the past and the way things have worked for us in the past, chances are we are going to keep repeating them. But on the same kind of plane, I agree with Andy Samberg's character, which is like, you can't change it. So don't get so caught up on it that you don't move forward. And I think that's where I fall on that. Um, Kind of like you said, the why itself doesn't really matter. The, okay, it brought us here. Now what? Um, I completely agree with that. And I think 
in terms of them handling it differently or it him being kind of used to it and her kind of being new to it, um, that kind of made me think up um, or think of where does acceptance start and resignation end mm. or where does acceptance become resignation? Um, because to me, those are two very different ideas. I totally agree. And cause I think, and, and, and maybe we should kind of delve into that because resignation mm-hmm. to me, just sort of hearing it is, um, uh, you know, you're, you're resigning to it. It's, you're, it's, it's mm-hmm. not necessarily giving up, but it's sort of like, um, defeat. And I hate to say defeat cause yeah. you know, but it's like, but so I, cause I think they would look differently cause I think yes. resignation in a time loop okay. is Sarah waking up and then staying in bed all day and be like, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to stay in bed. Uh-huh. It's just going to start over again. Anyway, here mm-hmm. I am. Um, so my question for you is, does resignation have to look as passive as staying in bed all day? Oh, that's interesting. Um, probably not. And I, I, I would love to hear you describe what active resignation (laughs) looks like. Andy Samberg. So Niles's character to me looks like, um, active resignation because, um, Sarah at some point accepts like, okay, this is what it is. And I'm going to figure out how to get through it. And ultimately I'm going to figure out how to get out of it. Right. I'm going to take steps and I'm going to educate myself and I'm going to move forward. Mm. Um, rather than trying to fight her circumstances, she used her circumstances to learn quantum physics or whatever it was really? that she learned. Um, whereas to me, Andy Sandberg was like, well, I guess I'm just stuck here. So I guess I'm just going to lounge in the pool and drink all day. Um, and to me, if his felt much more like resignation, because instead of, um, like he wasn't, I don't think he was happy in that environment, but he was just not willing to fight it either. So to me, that looked Mm -hmm. like active, um, resignation. Yeah. It's so interesting. It's not a term I've heard before. Um, I made it up. Cause I think I, I, I think I would probably just describe that as acceptance, sort of like, yeah, I, I get it. I'm in a time loop and everything's going to happen and and it doesn't, things don't really matter. And maybe this is, this is where I can jump in with my next quote that I love of, mm-hmm. of Niles's. Um, and this is in one of the first days with Sarah when he's kind of like showing her the ropes basically of being uh-huh. stuck in a time loop. And he says to her, um, we kind of have no choice but to live. So I think mm-hmm. your best bet is just to learn how to suffer existence. Mm-hmm. And I love that quote um, because it sounds so uh, defeated, so sad, but mm-hmm. there is a what feels like um, optimistic acceptance to it. And I guess... Yeah. And I, I think, um, yeah, go ahead. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, um, I know. So it's a, it's a I, tough. Yeah, that one. So that one stuck out to me too. And I kind of went through the same thing that you just described was like, ooh, yeah, I like that. But also sometimes I wonder if I'm a bit of a nihilist. Um, <laughs> mm. But um, to me, it also, um, I think it depends on how you come at suffer through it. Right. So my understanding of acceptance is um, 
not being okay. So if you're on a playground with a kid who's just annoying you incessantly and you say to that kid, like, oh, fine, you can come along. And the whole time you're like rolling your eyes, but you're like letting the kid come with you. To me, that feels like what Andy Samberg did, right? That's like suffering through it. Um, Acceptance to me is if you say to the kid, you know what? I don't really like you. I find you kind of annoying, but you know what? Come on and play with me. Um, Mm -hmm. And just saying it is what it is. And that's kind of separate from me rather than to me, resignation feels like, um, yeah, giving up, I think. Acceptance is not giving up, but being willing to have the circumstances be as they are. Whereas mm-hmm. resignation to me is not a willingness, but a, a giving up. Yeah. And, and, and I, I mean, we're probably dealing a little bit of semantic stuff here, but I, I totally. love... Um, and, and I'm sure you're familiar with it, maybe the audiences as well, but the concept of radical acceptance, mm-hmm. right? So in uh, DBT and dialectic behavioral therapy, we have this skill of radical acceptance, which um, my concept is of, of the as a skill is it's that it's a skill used to reduce unnecessary suffering and mm-hmm. to sort of in- increase our ability to navigate through difficult situations. So, yeah. and um Decrease the suffering about the suffering. Right, exactly. Right. So, so being able to say, as ridiculous as it is, I'm in a time loop. um, Mm -hmm. And instead of uh, questioning or trying to fight it or trying to understand it, um, you know, I'm going to do what I can to whether it's feel effective or find meaning. Mm -hmm. And they both kind of do that in different ways too. Um, yes. You know, we see them do everything from, you know, uh, go shoot giant guns and, and uh, <laughs> um, rocket launchers to uh, throwing infinite birthdays for themselves. And yeah. I think that's sort of, to me, what always stood out as radical acceptance, that they're in it without questioning it. Yeah. And I think yeah. that, you know, and, and, and that is a useful uh, jumping off point and we'll kind of probably weave back and forth of like the, the, as it relates to our circumstances in the world today. But Mm -hmm. I think it does take a certain amount of radical acceptance to, to cope with the COVID situation, especially Mm -hmm. last year, um, you know, in the sort of early stages of, you know, I know for, for my family, it was like, we just the three of us basically did not go anywhere. (laughs) did not see anybody Uh for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. and that was hard. And I think radical yeah. acceptance for us look like how many different pillow forts can we construct? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how many, um, cause par- even playgrounds were closed, which I think now yeah. in retrospect like they was unnecessary, but, <laughs> yeah. but yes, um, how creative, how can, creative we can we be in yeah. passing the time, which is essentially what we were doing in a lot of senses. Yeah. Um, I think that's, this is actually a good way for me to also kind of describe how I feel the difference between that resignation and that acceptance is, right? Which the um, acceptance is, um, you know what, I'm stuck in this, so let's make the best of it. Um, As opposed to, to me, resignation is more like, oh, you know, well, I guess I'm stuck at home for the next year and everything's just going to suck. 
Um, whereas acceptance is, you know what, this sucks. And let me find ways to make it meaningful and find value in my choices. Um, and I think that has been a huge thing for this year, which is in those moments where we're resigned to it, that can often feel like empty and lonely and cause distress about the distress. Um, whereas the other side of it is if we, you know, are more accepting and okay, this, these are my circumstances. How can I make them meaningful for me? How many pillow forts can I build? Um, what new hobby can I learn? By the way, I learned, um, stained glass, which is not something I ever would have thought that I would have learned, but that's what I did this year. Um, because I couldn't go out and play ultimate and go to comedy shows. So I figured out, you know, how to do zoom shows and, and things like that. And I think that's the difference, right? Like accepting the circumstances and still participating in them in a meaningful way versus kind of going like, well, this sucks. I'm just going to suffer through it. Yeah. And I think that suffering shows up in the relationship between Sarah and Niles as well. Um, you know, I, I don't know what the exact statistic is, but I know that um, partially because my wife's an attorney, that uh, divorce attorneys are doing very well in the time yeah. of COVID. Um, I've heard that. People are, uh, she's not a divorce attorney, but you know, it's, you, it's, you know, when you hear this stuff and I, I do think yeah. the statistics are pretty um, sad really because mm-hmm. people are um, who, you know, certainly could have a successful relationship um, between two people or in a family and mm-hmm. you get to these breaking points and sometimes these repeated breaking points um, mm-hmm. as Sarah and Niles do in many ways. Yeah. Um, you know, their relationship is building in a very positive way early on, but kind of gets to the point where, and and it's after they uh, consummate their relationship that yeah. um, I think Sarah kind of comes into some of her existential dread um, after yes. that. Whereas like, yeah how much further can we go? How much is this, you know, really the rest of my life basically. Right. Yeah. And I think a lot of what kind of drove her away from him was nothing to do with she and him. Um, of course, but everything to do with herself and her relationship with her guilt, right? Because she had to wake up in her brother-in-law's room every single time. And, her relationship with her guilt, I think is the thing that drove him away from her because, or drove her away from him because she finally, I think felt this happiness and this comfort with having someone to share it with and then waking up in a place where she didn't feel good about herself Um, and how that, you know, caused a rift. Yeah. And even in the, and I love the way that this movie is also shot in a lot of ways because you can kind of mm-hmm. see the characters shifting moods just in the microsecond mm-hmm. of when they wake up, right? Yeah. Um, their eyes, their smile, their, mm-hmm. how they respond to the sort of first triggers of the day, whether it's Niles' mm-hmm. girlfriend um, or um, Sarah hearing it's going to be a great wedding. Um, yeah. yeah. And 
and how that changes over time when initially when they're kind of finding this this groove this acceptance um they're excited to see each other they're excited yeah. to to connect with one another and then yeah. um you know events take place and then all of a sudden it's you know sarah kind of disappears which i think is mm-hmm. as you mentioned before she kind of finally takes it upon herself to to really explore the limits of control that she has over the circumstances that she's in, which I think is another thing we can kind of talk about it as it relates to how people are, are attempting to control yeah. their circumstances as it relates to today. And then yeah. um, Niles is forced to deal with the circumstances by himself again. And we see how really much, how, how the extent to which that really messes him up. Yeah. And I think real life relationships are going through similar ups and downs. I completely agree. I think this, um, yeah, I, and I think my, my speechlessness is related to so many thoughts, which is where this movie has taken so many different stages of relationship and kind of shoved it into you know, an hour and a half or however long the movie was. And I think these COVID circumstances have um, kind of done that in some ways for budding couples. But I think people who are like already in couples, I think it extended the time of things. Um, And what I mean by that is like couples that are like kind of newer. I found that um, people were like moving in together much sooner than they would have otherwise. Sure you know, sharing their time and their space and wanting to see each other. Um, But then for other couples who I think had formed a life around, you have your activities and I have my activities and we work at separate places now suddenly having to figure out how to be together 100% of the time without kind of personal coping mechanisms. um, It really pointed out those moments of, oh, we're in this together and we're not going about it the same way. And to me, that's the moment where Niles and Sarah kind of go different directions is when she's like, okay, great. Like, let's do this this way. And he goes like, no, like I'm, I don't want to do that. And that's where the rift um, happens for them is, wait a minute, we've been doing this together in the same way. But now we want to take different approaches because we're at different points in our groundhog life. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's what happened during COVID was people suddenly realized like, oh, in these new circumstances, we see ourselves handling this differently. And that caused But it makes you question a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It makes you question things. I mean, you know, whether it's the characters questioning the concept of, of love, question the concept of, of God, you know, question Mm -hmm. the concept of, um, meaning in general. And I think for me, um, you know, whether we want to call this adjustment disorder type difficulties or mm-hmm. existential depression, I mean, there are some very real, I, I think, things that are happening for these characters that do have a lot yeah. of um, similarities to real life, um, you know, mental health struggles. Absolutely. And I think one that, um, wasn't spoken to directly in the film, but is what the whole film is about is relationship with others. 
Um, and there's one quote, I think the Roy character, the J.K. Simmons character, um, said, um, I think there's nothing worse than going through this alone. Um, and I think a lot of people have found that this year. Like, I think there's been a lot of isolation this year. Um, and in the beginning, I think a lot of people were kind of like, okay, great, we're all alone together. And then I think as time went on, people who were, you know, working alone, living alone, kind of started feeling that quote of like, there is nothing worse than going through not only this alone, but like the grander this, um, which leads to, you know, questions about who am I as I relate to myself? Who am I as I relate to others? Um, what do I want out of relationships, you know, friendships, family, romantic, um, which are all very heavy existential questions. Yeah. And, and I don't know about you, but, but when, um, I'm working with people on these sorts of existential questions, like we talked about before, it's like, um, well, why are we even here? What's the point of living? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, whether it's, whether it's a suicidal ideation type question. And I think, mm -hmm. um, we'll pause here to, uh, give a trigger warning, um, that we might sort of broach this topic a little bit, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think it's, and you and I talked about this before we started recording that is it, is it really that they want to die or is it just an escape? Is it, I don't want to deal with this anymore. Yeah. I think when it comes to suicidality, that's different in this film. I think, um, we kind of, you and I, like you said, chatted about this a little bit before, but I think initially it's, I want to escape this, right? I want to be done with this. And then it kind of transforms into, um, oh, I want to do this better, right? I want to try it yep. again. And I think there is this sometimes a thought in, in people who struggle with thoughts of suicide about, well, it'll be better. Um, and recognizing like you didn't walk through a glowing cave, like you don't right. just get to start over and try to do it better on the other side of, of death. Um, um, aside from obviously people who are faithful and, and to ha know um, of an afterlife, but I mean, this life as it is, this physical life as it is, um, we don't get to just do it better after death. Right. And, and, you know, and Niles sort of acknowledges Sarah's desire to take that uh, approach to uh, the, the circumstances. He gets it, um, uh -huh. but he tries to kind of bring her with him into like, um, you're just wasting your time, which is such mm -hmm. a fascinating response to someone who's going through that experience. And it's obviously, it's, it's mm -hmm. very much um, not a therapist response, right? Because yeah. um, I would say mm -hmm. in, in most cases, we would try to let someone uh, explore those feelings, uh, obviously mm -hmm. not um, suicidal feelings. Obviously, we would we would want to work with them and, and make sure they're safe and things like that. But, mm -hmm. um, but, you know, embracing the sense of, hey, you know, it's okay that this is freaking you out and that you're looking for a solution. You're looking for a way out. You know, I wonder yeah. if 
if a different response to Sarah might have gotten a different result, especially in that circumstance. Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing that we as therapists are taught not to do is pull patients along, right? Pull clients along. We're taught to like be more of a Sherpa and like let them lead, but we guide. Um, But I think that's a skill that you, we aren't taught outside of graduate school for therapy, right? It's, we are more taught kind of this kind of think positively kind of mindset, um, which is so then when we've been through something that's hard or something that is a struggle and we know what it looks like on the other side, when our friends or our family members experience it, our reaction is to tell them, well, this is what the other side of that experience looks like. And we go like, yeah, no, I get it. I've been there. But like, once it's over, like things are great. And we don't realize like, yeah, that's because you've been through it. So you have the hindsight of looking back and forgetting that you still have to get through it. I think similarly, it's like working with teenagers when adults are like, oh, "Oh, it's just because you're a teenager, right? And the number of teenagers- Which is pretty invalidating, right? Yeah. And the number of teenagers who are like, if one more adult tells me it's just because I'm a teenager, I'm going to lose my mind. Um, But we as adults, we've been through the teen years. So we're like, oh, once you're older, they're so inconsequential, but they're not inconsequential in those moments. Those are everything in those moments. And I think struggle of all kinds, um, suicidality, OCD, anxiety, um, fill in the blank, excitement, you know, all of it is the only thing it's almost blinding in those moments. So to have somebody on the outside of it say like, oh, it's fine. Just like walk through it. Um, no. It's like, okay, but I've still got to walk. Yeah. And I, I think um, this, this brings me to the sort of making meaning question also, because uh-huh. Sarah and I, well, Sarah, we see Sarah go through this sort of particular existential piece. Niles obviously yeah. either doesn't care or has already been through the stage um, where Sarah sort of hypothesizes that maybe it's karma. And she actually says like, um, what if it's like Mm -hmm. to get out of this, you have to be selfless and then you're Mm -hmm. free. And then Niles of course responds, um, I just bought a hundred dollar candy bar and I'm still here. (laughs) Um, and, and Sarah then goes into the next loop trying to, um, right the wrong that we sort of didn't know about. Um, Mm -hmm. which is that, uh, the night before the time loop, um, Mm -hmm. she sleeps with the groom of, uh, of the wedding, like the groom who's actually going to marry her sister. Yeah. Yes. Um, so we see her, um, presumably, you know, give this really touching speech and then kind of whisper it. We assume we're whispering, she's whispering it to her sister and, and sort Mm -hmm. of being honest and being selfless. And then mm-hmm. when that doesn't end her loop, the next morning she bursts into Niles's room saying, didn't work. Life is meaningless. Um, like, let's get the heck out of here. Um, yeah. So now it's like, okay, now I'm done with selflessness. Um, so now I should just enjoy myself. And I think that, mm-hmm. that has particularly interesting um, implications for our world, right? Um, yeah. I don't know. Are you? Um, have you ever seen... Uh, the Good Place, which is another show we could talk about, I but love the Good Place. Okay, um, fantastic. Because yeah. there's some I there's feel some like similar that one, themes. Yeah, yeah. If you're gonna talk about it, there's a huge 
spoiler alert at the end of that first season. Uh, yes. So spoiler alert if you've never seen uh, The Good Place. Um, but basically, um, you know, the main character, Eleanor Shellstrap, um, mm-hmm. is struggling with this idea of like, the is it worth it to be a good person? Um, mm-hmm. Frankly, even if it means getting into The Good Place. Um, because as she experiences um, in her life and in her sometimes multiple opportunities at life, um, mm-hmm. doing, quote unquote, doing good things um, didn't feel like it ended up being worthwhile or didn't uh, make mm-hmm. her the kind of meaning that she was hoping for. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's it's fascinating to think about because that sort of feels like um, a a very black and white thinking. And this is something we challenge mm-hmm. in therapy. It's like, well, it's not either be completely selfless and good things are supposed to happen to you or don't care about anything and life will be just carefree and meaningless. Like it can't just be either one of those. Yeah. And I like my question for that would be if you're doing it for, um, You know, like if you're being selfless in order to get out of the time loop, are you doing it for your sister? Are you doing it to be selfless or are you doing it so that you don't have to be trapped in your own guilt, in your own, in this case, time loop? Um, And I feel like you're reading my notes because these are so many of the same things that I wrote down. Um, But kind of thinking also about like a sense of purpose right? Is she was kind of seeking this, like, um, if I do this thing, I will get a very specific result from it. And she didn't have control over that, um, result, you know, and we as humans do that a lot. Like, oh, if I text this person, they'll text me back. And then when they don't text us back because we didn't have control over it, we go like, why did I do that? That was so stupid. I didn't want to text them, right? Um, and for her, she basically was like, well, I don't even know why I bothered doing that. It was completely pointless anyway. And so then she kind of throws up her hands and is like, well, nothing yep. matters. And I think for me and the type of therapist that I am, and I'm an act-based therapist, um, which seeks to make choices that are in and of themselves meaningful. So be selfless for the sake of being selfless, not because of what you think you'll get back from it, not because you think it will result in one way or another. And basically what it aims towards is finding a sense of purpose for each moment rather than trying to control this grander thing, um, which for us is just life in general. Yeah, I love it. So I'm, I'm going to respond to that with one of my other favorite quotes, <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, which is again, which is it sort of gets at this meaning question, but it's also sort of speaks to the sort of existential issues that these characters are dealing with. So um, Niles at one point says, when I say that I feel sorry, it's like it's the same way that I would say that I feel sorry that, you know, I mm-hmm. finished one beer and now I have to open a new one. You know, now I'm not sorry anymore. It's just a fleeting feeling. Um, mm-hmm. And then he says it just drifts away like they all do. Sarah asks, what do you mean? It just drifts away like they all do. Like what has drifted away? And I also says everything. And that really, to mm-hmm. me, felt like 
okay, so this person, like, this is a deeper struggle than what we're seeing on the surface with Niles. Um, yeah. He's not just a fun, you know, making the best of it. Uh, you know, I think, and this gets back to your sort of active resignation that, that on the inside, he is resigned in a very painful way. And that it's on suffering. the surface, it's this sort of activity just to kind of keep himself going and not think about the multiverse as they as they joke yeah. about at one point. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And I think that goes back to his quote of suffer through it, right? Yeah. Um, yes. Where he's not accepting of it and like, okay, you know, making the best of it. He's. It sounds like in that moment and in other moments that he's truly suffering through it. And I think that moment really talks to kind of that other thing that we touched on is like having someone to go through it with. Right. And, um, yeah. you know, like they all do now. Yes. He could have been talking about anything. Um, but you would think if he wasn't talking about people or relationships, he'd say like everything does. Um, but he said like they all do. And, it also struck me that when they're talking about his, um, like the people that he had slept with in the past, he mentions one time with the bartender. He mentions one time with the older woman. Yeah. And then it turns out later that he had slept with um, Sarah, in his words, thousands of times. And yes. I found that interesting because obviously he is attempting continually to form relationship Um, and it's, he can't do it obviously because they don't remember him and what it takes is time and, you know, input from both sides. And, you know, he resigns himself to, you know, they all go away. So even when, She's not going away because now she's stuck in it with him. That fear of this too is going to go away keeps him from engaging in her, right? With her, yeah. right? Like in that moment is the moment for him to, you know, reach out to her and connect with her in a, in a relational way so that he can have someone to go through it with. Um, but that fear like overrides and he goes like, oh yeah, no. I'm just, I'm as equally sorry about this as I am about my beer. Um, Grab another can, grab another person. Yeah. And, and, you know, and then to see, because I I think I'm, I'm still coming back to the question that you asked, which is, um, you know, is Sarah's ultimate decision and action to get out of the time loop? Is it a selfish one? Is it, is it a, Mm -hmm. a, a generous one? And I think, you know, it kind of brings back to me this sort of question of control. And and now we can kind of go back yeah. into COVID too, which is like, how much control do you have over the situation that you're in? Because mm-hmm. if you really put your mind to it, maybe you can learn quantum mechanics or quantum physics and mm-hmm. figure out some things and, and give yourself freedom. Um, mm-hmm. And when we get to that moment and then she realizes Niles doesn't want to leave. Mm-hmm. That yeah. because probably of Niles's uh, resignation, or at least just the uh, familiarity that he has with the time yep. loop, he's mm-hmm. not interested in in going back to his life before the time loop. And whether that's because he can't actually remember it, which he sort of alludes to, 
or just because mm-hmm. he sort of has more fun um, in the time loop. Uh, you know, as we can or, see, there's there's very little consequences for his reactions, right? Or, yeah. or the line that I wrote down for that is the monster you know. Um, yes. To me, it feels very much for him. Um, I don't like, I think he's suffering in that time loop, right? That quote that you just mentioned of they all go away, right? To me suggests doesn't love it. Um, but then when she offers him this out, he's like, no, 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 we don't want to do that. And to me, it feels like the monster, you know, he says like, well, what if we die? Or what if it doesn't work? Or what if, what if, what if? So that fear of what might happen is so much scarier to him than the unhappiness of where he is. Um, And I think that's something that happens a lot for us as humans, right? Like, yeah, I don't love my job, but I don't know what else I would do. Or this relationship isn't fulfilling for me, but what if I never find anyone else? Um, and kind of choose the monster we know over the monster we potentially don't. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, because I think, again, something we try to do as therapists is empower our patients to see the Mm -hmm. things that are within their control. Yes. Um, and you know, if, and I sort of like to think about like, what if Sarah did decide to find a therapist somewhere in the loop? And, you know, even if it was more or less the first session every time, how yeah. useful would that be for her? Yeah. Right? Because she would just have to uh, super jump into a new topic every time. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> could could you as a therapist be convinced that this was not in fact the first person the first time you saw this person? Um <laughs> it's it's fun to think about. Um, like you're because, very good at therapy for your first yeah. time. <laughs> wow, really open, really vulnerable. This is great. Yeah, um, we haven't even built rapport I, yet. Because <laughs> I do like thinking about some of the ridiculous uh, realities of people stuck in a time loop. Some of which are actually kind of scary and dark. I read an article that yeah. made a really good point that consent actually doesn't exist within the time loop, and I was like, wow, dark, but. Yeah. fair um because uh especially niles at at probably different points in his experience just tries to figure out how he can hook up with every person or a, a, a number yeah. of different people um over the course of his day right which keeps repeating mm-hmm. um yeah. and that when i read that i was like man the things you don't want to think about when you're watching a sci-fi romantic comedy. And I also think that gets a little bit more convoluted as well. Um, Because I'm thinking like if someone were to, you know, go through someone's Facebook and Instagram to figure out everything they like and Mm. know stuff about them so that when they go on a date with them, they can talk about all those things. Is that really that different from, him gathering information through the time loop. Um, and yep. does that lessen the amount of consent? And I don't know. I think that would be a much larger conversation. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think, 
and I I do like the way that they empowered Sarah to get them out of it because this is the way yes. it does differ from Groundhog's Day because Groundhog's Day was just um and this is just from memory I think Bill Murray's character basically just has to uh, fall in I've love like become it. completely selfless oh my gosh okay um <laughs> well then I'm butchering it and whoever's listening to this with an encyclopedic memory of Groundhog's Day is going to be upset with me but basically That's like so the funny. time loop doesn't end for mm-hmm. Bill Murray's character until mm-hmm. he kind of does something nice for everyone in the town and mm-hmm. he's in love with his uh you know news co-anchor producer person and yeah. she spends the night like she sleeps in in the hotel bed with him but they don't mm-hmm. uh they don't have sex or anything it's just yeah we're in love and that's yeah. kind of nice and then he wakes up the next day and she's there um mm-hmm. and she says and this is the only line I remember she says, you asked me to stay, so I stayed. And like that's that's the end of the time loop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's very sweet. I, that is much more of yeah. a romantic comedy, but I, I that's why I really enjoyed the sort of more modern, empowering take for, yeah. for Sarah. Definitely. I think what I really like about um about yes, this her kind of taking control is she couldn't control within her circumstances, she couldn't control, um, how it turned out, right? No matter what she did, she woke up in the same place every time, but she realized that there were some ways that she might be able to influence her standing in her circumstances. And part of that was like, let me educate myself on what's happening, right? Because there are some things that are out of our control, right? COVID out of our control. But Mm -hmm. what we can control is um, following guidelines, getting vaccines, putting on a mask, keeping distance, staying home at some points, right? And does that make COVID go away? Not right now, right? Not necessarily, but perhaps in time, if um, if we once we get vaccinated and once enough people get vaccinated, we can get out of the time loop, right? Um, yeah. And so I love what you said and sort of learning the rules, right? Learning the rules of the circumstances and trying to operate sort of within them. Um, but also empowering yourself to be curious, to explore, to, you know, to not, not necessarily test the boundaries. Um, cause I'm not encouraging people to go have giant parties, um, yet, but, um, there's something to be said for, you know, recognizing that we benefit from connection and finding creative ways to connect Mm -hmm. there. You said, I'm not saying necessarily to go out and test the boundaries. And yeah, she went, Sarah went and learned the boundaries for herself. Um, Niles didn't, he went to the expert, which was now her. And I'm not going to go out and research vaccines. It's just not going to happen. So I'm going to turn to people who I trust and I know are educated and well-versed on the information. And I'm going to kind of follow their lead. I'm going to walk into the proverbial cave with dynamite with them um, and trust that they know where the bounds of, of the uncontrollable circumstances are. Yeah. Well said. Cause I think, you know, like I mentioned up front, um, 
you know, we didn't go to any playgrounds when playgrounds were closed. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we listened to those rules and we assumed that those rules were in place for a good reason. And then as soon as playgrounds were opened up, I can't tell you how many playgrounds we've been to uh, since they've reopened. And that's been like a great source of joy. Right. Well, yeah, Yeah. for sure. But being able to see, okay, now this is okay as long as you are following these rules and, and, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and taking care of yourself and washing hands. Great. You can do this. And and then the amount that that opens up your world and you can say, oh, wow, I can go do all these things, which which bring me so much joy and kind of make it not feel like such a time loop, a time loop as much. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And I think um, that leads me maybe to um, last quote or one of our last quotes, um, which is when the woman in the bar. Um, says to Andy Samberg's character, says to Niles, um, take a look around, whatever you're looking for, it ain't here. And um, the reason I think that this connects to that idea is he is feeling like, oh, well, I'm just going to go along with, with what I know. And I feel, I feel that that line says, hey, figure out how you want to make the best of this. Right. And for you and your family at the beginning, it was like making the forts. But when the bounds of that expanded and when there were other options, like, you know, going into a cave and blowing yourself up or going to a playground, you and your family decided, well, what we're looking for isn't inside our house anymore. It's now these new playgrounds and it's, it's expanding what matters to us outside of, of that. Yeah, and and much like uh, Sarah and Niles getting kicked out of the pool at the end, it is still mm-hmm. possible for us to suffer consequences from going to the playground. And I think we are uh, we we own that, and and we're mm-hmm. that's why we're taking precautions. We mask up and wash hands and all those things. Um, but it's it's testing those boundaries in a way that allows you to take care of yourself in a way that you're comfortable with. And I think it's in a way that matters. Look, yeah. And it's look, this is a hard conversation because we also have to live with the knowledge that what's comfortable for us is going to be different for other people. So we can go on, you know, social media and see people partying or, um, you know, uh, going to bars or doing the things that we, might also like to do, but uh, mm-hmm. decide that that's not a safe or wise decision for us. Mm-hmm. And we have to live with that. We ha- that That is our living with suffering, right? Yes. Yeah. And, and how to make that, that suffering meaningful. meaningful. Yeah. 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 I think it's, you're absolutely correct. And that's where the, the tough point comes is one of the things that is out of our control is other people's choices. Um, You as a parent, I'm sure know that more than anyone. Um, But recognizing that while we can't control others' choices, we can control our action or reaction to those things. Um, You know, if I go to a place where there's lots of people doing things that I feel are unhealthy, do I choose to stay or do I choose to leave? Um, Mm. I can't control their choice, but I can control my reaction to that choice or my interaction with that choice. Yeah, that we can we can choose what story to tell about uh, other people's actions, right? We can say, um, 
what they're doing is awesome and I'm jealous and I wish I could do that or I will do that. Or we can say, you know, I see them making a decision that they're comfortable with and the fact that I'm even just unsure is enough for me mm -hmm. to know that I, I will be able to make that decision and maybe I need to, you know, practice some self-awareness to know when I'll reach that level of comfort, right? What the mm -hmm. threshold yeah. is, what the, you know, percent positivity rate is, whatever it is, because I think knowing mm -hmm. your comfort level it helps you know when you need to uh, test that boundary to the next level. Yeah. And acceptance that you can't control their choices That's doesn't right. mean that you love their choices, right? It's not of like, course. oh boy, like I can't wait until I'm making those same choices, but like I hate the choices they're making and I hate that I can't control it. And I recognize that that's the truth of reality. And, yep. and this gets us back to the Twix thing. And what now? Yep. Right. Those are the yes. things that I cannot control. And now what? Yeah. So, so now what for us is going to be, let's, let's review this wild movie. Cause I think we could continue to spin ourselves in a time loop and talk about yeah. this uh, on ongoing basis because there is so many implications. And I, and I, I, so that's why I love movies like this because it gets me to think, um, not just about this sort of twisted movie scenario, but about myself mm -hmm. and about the, uh, the world at large. So I'm grateful for that opportunity. Yeah. Um, so let's do some reviews. Haley, let's say mm -hmm. on a scale of um, one to five. Oh, let's pick something fun from the episode. Pizza um, floaties. Oh, yes. Haley, on a scale of one to five pizza floaties, I'll ask you, I'll let you do um, how accurate does this represent, let's just say a mental health crisis, and I'll let you define that however um, mm. you see fit. Um, I think it represents human existence and mental health in that aspect. So just simply kind of the fact of living, um, through a tough situation at a five, like I think it, they process through their experience. Now their experience is, um, extraordinary and strange, but if we, you know, related that to simply any tough or confusing or new, um, scary situation. I think the way that this portrayed it was just how humans fight and fail and thrive through these experiences. Wonderful. Um, so on a scale of one to five mushroom dinosaurs, um, I, on, and in terms of entertainment value, I mm -hmm. really enjoy this movie. I love the performances yeah. of Andy Samberg and Christine, uh, Miliati. Great, mm -hmm. great performances, really cool. Uh, even if it's not original anymore, uh, you know, in terms of, uh, uh, conceit for a plot device, mm -hmm. it's really fun in the way that they, yeah. um, portray it. And I do think it's a very human portrayal, a very modern yeah. human portrayal. And I really appreciate yeah. that, especially in the times of COVID that we're living in. Um, yeah. So I definitely give it a five. And if you've listened to this episode without watching it, um, well, now's your chance. Go see it, even though we've talked about the whole movie. Yeah. I also, something that I also really appreciated was sometimes when there's big names, like, um, like the two of them, Yes. The chemistry's not really there. 
Mm. I found them as a couple so believable. I totally agree. They have they you could they make sense as a pair. Yeah, and as the characters in their mental health struggles, I found it so entertaining. You like were rooting for them, which I love in a movie. Yeah, and and even though we don't know what's going to happen to these characters next, um, whether it's they're going to go meet each other's parents, as Sarah jokes, or um, whether the relationship just fizzles out, because how do you maintain a relationship with someone? I don't know. It's it's how bizarre dare you? To think they about. live happily ever after. Okay, how dare all you? right. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, of course. Happily ever after, and then there's just the next wedding. Um, That's so yeah. All right. Well, Haley, let's Hopefully talk real quick before we finish up today. What What are we coming up with? What's What's going to come up with yeah. next for the show to cover? I know Absolutely. you've had some so requests. Talking, yeah. So talking happily ever after. How about we go with a little bit of a Rapunzel story and take a look at Tangled? That sounds great. My daughter will be thrilled, and I'm sure she will <laughs> want to share her own opinions about it. So we, maybe we can put that up on social media as well. Um, yes, we definitely should ask For something completely different from that, I think... Um, I've been itching to talk about The Undoing, which has a fascinating portrayal of a therapist played by Nicole Kidman on HBO. Haley, thanks again for joining me. Um, of course. Thank you so much. And um, go rate, review, subscribe, all those fun things. And we will see you guys next week with Tangled. Tangled.